0: Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly, and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so i will be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with food allergy. Hi guys, welcome back to the 11th episode of series two honestly when i started series two i would never thought i got all these amazing guests on so yeah thank you for so much for everyone listening to the making tame podcast honestly the amount of people who are tuning in every week to listen to the podcast is absolutely amazing so yeah thank you again for everyone listening so this week i'm joined by emma amascato i always get that wrong i think i got it right there but she's an author writer speaker and album. So. I thought it'd be really interesting, obviously, to get her on the podcast. She's got a second book coming out now, so I thought it'd be really kind of insightful to kind of hear a background of why she wanted to do a second book. And Emma's got two young kids with allergies as well, so I thought it'd be really interesting to hear about how she managed their allergies when they was growing up. If I do sound a bit tired in this intro, I'm actually editing it at half nine on a Tuesday night and absolutely shattered. I'm not going to lie. But I really want to get this podcast out for you guys. If you do get a spare minute to write me a review on iTunes, honestly, it means the world to me. And just so I know that you guys enjoy the podcast and each episode, because I do put in so much work and effort into doing the best content I can do to kind of, bring value and obviously raise awareness about algae. So yeah, if you do get a chance to be right with me, you, it would be much appreciated. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, make sure to share it with your friends and family. And if you can share it on Instagram or any of your social media platforms, that would be incredible. Hi, and welcome back to another Make and an episode. I'm joined by Emma Maz- Mazaskato. Did I get that right?
1: Emma <laughs> I'll take it, it's
0: fine. That's <laughs> about right. Um, so we met at the allergy preform show in London about two years ago now. Um, so it's amazing obviously to kind of get her on the podcast to kind of talk about her journey and a book and what she's been up to since so yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast today how are you doing
1: yeah good good to be here we chatted about doing this a while ago didn't we and then kind of never got round to it
0: I know it's just been a bit crazy how like time kind of flies by really. I don't know if I had a podcast when I initially met you. I don't I don't I don't
1: I don't think so. I think
0: it might have been like a year later that I kind of like kind of set up the podcast then. So yeah, I know it's amazing to kind of see you grow and obviously you've got another book coming out now, but before we kind of get to that could you do a little introduction to yourself and the listeners of who you are.
1: Sure. So I'm Emma and I've got two um, young children both with multiple food allergies environmental allergies we've got a bit of asthma and eczema thrown in there as well um yeah and as you said I've now written two books about the subject um started a blog and yeah kind of got into the into the allergy world
0: yeah, and I think that's amazing. Like you, obviously, got two two kids now with obviously multiple allergies. So I imagine you're quite the expert on this on this quite now. Um, so how old was your first kid? Or was it is it the the boy when he found out he had a severe allergy?
1: Yeah. So James was well. It was like a lot of parents. I think we went through that journey where we didn't really know what was going on to start with. So from the time he was a small baby, he had really bad eczema um you know there was clearly something wrong but we didn't figure it out properly until we started weaning him and then he had some bad reactions and i think he got officially diagnosed at nine months
0: as well was it quite hard obviously like going to the gp and you knew some it wasn't quite right and obviously being a mother you kind of go off your instance that it could be a food allergy did they understand that when you initially went to the doctors and said oh it could be a food allergy why is he having these like severe reactions
1: you know what at the beginning i had no idea it was food allergies i didn't i didn't have that you know that understanding or that knowledge i was breastfeeding him um and you know as you say i knew there was something wrong his skin was just awful he was really unhappy and i kept going back to the doctors and they never mentioned food allergies they just kept giving me more creams and sending me away and i kept going back multiple times a week saying it's not working it's not helping like you know do something and i i eventually changed gps because i wasn't happy with them and when i got to see the new one the day i saw him they sent us straight to hospital and said i can't believe they've let it get this bad go to hospital and we saw the dermatologist the consultant dermatologist came down to see us at hospital and at that point i think i must have researched it because i remember saying to him do you think this could be food allergies could there be something you know that i'm eating that's affecting him?" And the consultant dermatologist said no, no, it wouldn't be, couldn't be, which I now know I know now is completely and utterly untrue. Yeah. But at the time, you know, he was a big doctor at a big hospital, and and you trust him. And I wish now I hadn't, but at the time, yeah, I, I thought, oh, okay. And actually, I guess I was quite relieved. I was, oh, okay, you know, it must be something else.
0: Yeah it must be like obviously like quite frustrating but I think like you said you kind of went with your gut instinct and was like oh something isn't quite right and that's probably the reason you did kind of change EPs and hopefully they understood the kind of dysphagia of allergies. Do you think as well like back then like food allergies probably wasn't as common or wasn't as heard of like it is now? I
1: think so I mean it was only he's seven so it was seven years ago and I don't think there was the same level of understanding. I think it has grown in that time, or well, definitely the online space has grown more. So there's a lot more information, and a lot more people talking about it, and especially with like milk allergy and allergies in babies, I think there's a yeah a lot more awareness.
0: So when when they went for the first like allergy test, was that like a was that of of a skin brick test, or was that where they take the blood? Like how was it for you when? obviously your kid did get diagnosed with these severe allergies
1: yeah so they did skin prick tests at the first one no blood tests um and thankfully at this that age he was so young that he didn't really know what was going on or you know didn't take it in we've had a few times since then where now he's a bit more unhappy or wary about having the test done but when he was a baby you know they they just did it and yeah diagnosed him at that point um it was peanuts tree nuts egg milk sesame garlic and we had uh, white fish at that point as well feed wise um so yeah it was a bit of a shock to the system in some ways it was a relief because it was like oh, okay we've got some answers you know we know what's going on we can do something about this but then obviously you're like okay what do I do now
0: Did, did when you actually like say like looking back when you was like looking online was there any kind of allergy mums at the time talking about the kids and, and their allergies or was it a very kind of small community because obviously now i see it and it's huge that like there's so many people talking about allergies which is amazing but back then was was there much information where you could find out about these allergies and how to manage it
1: there were some people talking about it and a lot of those people i'm still friends with now they're people that i kind of reached out to right at the beginning um, and actually um later that year he had an anaphylactic reaction when he was about 15 months old and it was a couple of weeks before the allergy show, so this would have been two thousand and sixteen, I guess. Um oh no, that's my daughter, two thousand and fourteen. Um and I went to the allergy show and you know, suddenly saw loads of other people. And I remember Ruth actually, Ruth from What Allergy doing a talk. Um, And obviously she's not a mum, but it was someone who had that proper knowledge of allergies. And I remember like sitting there and being like, oh my goodness, like somebody gets it and going up and talking to her afterwards. And actually she came round yesterday to my house. We went for a walk yesterday. And so, yeah, it's funny, like how things move on. But yeah, there were some people talking about it. Um, I remember Natalie was, Natalie and Torrid Gorman, her son's about the same age as James, but I think she'd kind of got into it slightly earlier or he's a, a year older um so there were but it definitely I don't know if there are more people now if it just feels like it because obviously I'm paying more attention or you know more involved in things
0: I was gonna say I saw your post um I saw it this morning actually what's and like yourself and yeah it's amazing that obviously like it's like being part of that community as well I think like you said when you see someone talking about allergies and you kind of relate to them and they share their experiences it is amazing feeling where you go oh my god like I don't feel alone and I think that's what's amazing now with more people kind of talking about it, like less people feel alone because everybody's tackling these, the stigma are tackling, and making it more relatable.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the community is really supportive. And it's great to meet lots of people. And I think as well, you know, from my perspective with kids with allergies, it's really lovely to know adults like you or like Ruth or, or you know, like some of my other friends who you can see. Oh, okay. You know, you can see far ahead and think, you know, my kids will be all right. They can, they can handle this. Um, so I think it's actually reass- really reassuring and inspiring to, to have that as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've seen like a surge of like more young people now kind of starting these algae bars and kind of like sharing their experiences. And I think that's like amazing. Um, definitely for like the algae parents as well to say that there's so many like young people now with these allergies and they're managing it absolutely fine. And they're talking about it online. I think that really like helps the community and makes the community grow really. I was. I was going to talk as well. So your, so your son got obviously got diagnosed with an allergy. Then, um, later on, you had a daughter um, and she got diagnosed with allergies as well. Before, um, she did get diagnosed with allergies. How did you manage that? Did, did you think she had food allergies straight away or did you kind of just see how it went or would you give her the food bit by bit kind of thing?
1: So when I was pregnant with her, I spoke to James's allergy consultant about, you know, the best way to manage it. Should I cut out foods, you know, at my diet preemptively because I was going to feed her? What should I look out for? And I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't jumping to conclusions or, you know, because we'd, it'd been so difficult going through it with James, I didn't want to, you know, pin everything on her and be, oh, this must be allergies too. So, so I kind of wanted to back away from it a little bit and make sure that, that it was actually there. But to be perfectly honest, I knew from day one that she had allergies um, you know, the way she was responding when I was feeding her. And it's quite a controversial thing in terms of um, the science and the studies. They'll say, oh, no, you can't, you know, they can't have allergies that early. But I I knew and I know other parents who knew as well in terms of the way she was reacting. So still, I was quite cautious about it. I didn't cut stuff out straight away because I wanted to be sure and I didn't want to restrict, you know, what I was feeding her until I, I was sure that she was reacting to things. Um but we could see her starting to go down the same path. And thankfully, because we've been through it with James, we managed to stop it a lot earlier. And, her, you know, her eczema calmed down and, and we managed to, yeah, but get get that's, a lot more control of it.
0: That's what I thought was like so interesting about like the eczema food allergies. I remember I had my mum on the podcast. Um, it was very beginning, maybe two years ago now. And I had her on and she was like, oh, you had eczema as a kid, like that is very much linked with food allergies, and I remember like stopping in this podcast. I went, "What Eczema and food allergies? I was like, <laughs> "They're completely <laughs> like, different. Like, why, why are you talking about expert on the podcast?" I, I think I even deleted it. I don't know if I actually end up using any of this content in the podcast. Oh, yeah, no. poor mum. Like, I was like, <laughs> "You know what? I'm gonna. That doesn't make any sense. People are not gonna understand that." But obviously, the more I've kind of like educated myself about it, and um, obviously like reading um, reading your book as well, you 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 kind of spoke about the link between expert and food allergies um so was that kind of like so if you've got eczema in the first few months the more likely you're gonna have food allergies is that correct
1: yeah absolutely so there's a huge link between having eczema as a baby and we're talking bad eczema you know a lot of kids a lot of babies get a bit of dry skin or a bit of flaky skin but severe eczema or bad eczema yeah is a really high link between that and food allergies and it's it's quite a high predictor Of kids have either having food allergies or be having the tendency to get them so um yeah there's a lot of um a lot of research into well partly it's because of the um what's the word the atopic link between obviously asthma eczema and allergies but more so they realize now that actually by having eczema the the children's the baby's first exposure to certain foods can then be through that broken skin And because the body, kind of evolutionarily, evolutionarily, I think that's a word. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, 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 (laughs) because the body, anything that entered through the skin was seen as dangerous, like a parasite or something like that. So the body reacts as if it's a dangerous thing. Whereas if you ingested it, it wouldn't react the same way. So then the next time that baby comes into contact with it, which is often through eating it the body sees it as a dangerous thing and reacts to it so yeah there's a huge thing about trying if you can control the eczema and try and get that under control in really small babies then they're less likely to develop food allergies but also those babies need to be weaned earlier and try to get those allergens in early when they do start having food so that they can try not to develop allergies so was it
0: would you you say was it like the dairy and the kind of wheat when you're kind of cutting that from your your kind of children's Um, kind of diet that you've seen a massive kind of clear up on the eczema then
1: so both my kids have always been fine with wheat we've never had any problems with wheat at all um they were both very allergic to dairy and yeah um with james as soon as we figured out his allergies and started cutting them out his diet and i um you know he he wasn't getting through my breast milk his eczema just disappeared it went from so severe it was so bad and red and raw and he had the most You know strong steroids and it was just horrible the minute we cut out all his food allergies and figured that out he didn't he's never had eczema since nothing my daughter's different my daughter um hers didn't get as severe as a baby because obviously we figured it out but she now she's not allergic to dairy anymore but if she eats too much it will flare her eczema so she does have skin reactions
0: to it it's quite interesting to see like how it's linked as well and i think we'll, we'll kind of we'll get to your book as well but i also thought as well like it it was so interesting how you kind of broke it down and and there's so many kind kind of key topics in there uh, where you can kind of talk about eczema and, like the links and food allergies and anaphylactic and stuff well we'll get to the book because I, I was really intrigued um how long did it take you to write the book
1: oh Way longer than I thought it would. (laughs) I honestly don't know because it was over such a long period of time and I'd thought about it for a while, you know, I'd written bits, then we actually got into the actual writing and the editing. I don't know. It like all these things, you know, it takes much longer than you think it will. And also, you start to go down a bit of a rabbit hole because there's so many interesting things. You start reading this study on this is linked to that and this is linked to that. You're like, Oh, I want to put all this in, but you've got to be able to at some point pull back a bit and be like, Okay. You know, we can't cover
0: absolutely everything. I thought it was really interesting. Definitely coming from my kind of point of view as well. Obviously, I kind of talk very much about like um, experiences and kind of like tips and stuff. But I've, I've, I've kind of actively trying to seek more kind of the educational side of food allergies. Um Obviously, um and I think that's what your book kind of give me in, in, from that kind of like insight. Really, like where you kind of break break it down like very clearly what. And I thought that was like really interesting.
1: Yeah, that was really important to me because, um, you know, there's so much information out there. You get on the Internet and you type food allergies and boom, you you know, yeah, you're bombarded with so much. And you can get yourself in so many Facebook forums or Internet places and everybody's got their expertise or, you know, their opinion. And it's really difficult to know who's right who's wrong what you can trust what you can't and obviously you've got the you know the main charities you can trust but I really wanted to break things down in an easy to understand way but in a way that you knew you could trust so that's why I really wanted to obviously get it back by LGK and have those interviews with the experts in there Um, because I think a lot of people find even when they do get to an allergist it's so busy and rushed, or you're so overwhelmed that you don't ask all the questions that you want or you don't have the time to sit down properly and have a chat with them, so I wanted to I try and bridge that gap you. a little bit.
0: get home like, oh, I could have asked this, I could have asked that and like I think the thing when I was kind of reading your book as well, which kind of kind of really stood out to me was like you I feel like you've covered so much in the book as well, you obviously talk about obviously your kid getting diagnosed from like, a very young age obviously you talk very much about like the allergy tests and the different types of allergy tests which for me was like really interesting as well because i've not been for an allergy test in like 10 years which i think is like, actually quite bad like you know what i mean i feel like when when obviously when your kids were growing up were they going for allergy tests quite often then I imagine when they've got so many different allergies as well
1: I think they tend to have more when they're younger yeah because there's a higher likelihood that they will hopefully grow out of things or things would change I think as you get older obviously there's less likelihood but you still can and it's still there like I've got friends who are adults that have gone for tests and done food challenges as adults and found things that actually they can eat now and they've been able to you know expand their diet or tick something off the list so I think it's definitely worth you know going back.
0: Yeah, I I was gonna. I think I spoke to someone else about this the other day and I think I should definitely kind of go back. Obviously, mine just being like all nuts, but I think like there's no harm in going back and, and just like double checking because I remember when I was 18, like sesame seed um, was one of the allergies which come up when I did the skin prick test. But I know I can eat sesame seed and be fine, but obviously it's all about intolerance. So I do avoid it now, but I don't like, if it's in like oil, then I'd be like, well, I'm not severely allergic to it, but I think it's good to know um, these things just in case you do have a severe allergic reaction yeah definitely but yeah. yeah
1: definitely go for it
0: so um so I've heard right you're you're writing a second book now is this is this very different to the for the first book which you wrote is it two years ago you did the first book
1: oh uh, it came out it came out last March I think so it's about a year and a year and a half ago um yeah so the new book is, actually went off to the printers last week so it's all written okay. and it's all ready to go so um, hopefully I should get the proof back soon in the next week or so to make sure everything's all right before I kind of press go. Um, yeah, this one's a bit different. I mean, obviously it's the same subject. It's all about food allergies. But this one is a picture book and it's for children. Um, because again, just like I wrote the last one, when I was like, you know, there's not a book out there that I want. I still felt like there wasn't a children's book out there that I wanted. There's, there's some really lovely and fun and informative story books for kids you know, that that help you open up that conversation. But there isn't a nice kind of factual, bright nonfiction book that just says it as it is and explains how, as you say, what tests are like and what it's like going to school and all stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so I decided I'd better get on and and write one.
0: I think that's amazing as well. You know, when you kind of see... um... I think where the best ideas kind of come from really, you know when you see like a, a problem where was, where you don't get all the answers you're like oh, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And I think that's amazing to have that kind of like mentality but like, you know what there's nothing out there for like kids with food allergies, I'm going to go ahead and write it.
1: Yeah. I hope it's going to be good. I mean, I can't I can't draw to save my life. I have no artistic skills. I had a brilliant illustrator who actually did the front cover of the last book um yeah and i've sent her all my little stick men drawings literally literally stick men drawings and notes saying this is supposed to be a cake or like everything i want included and she's put it all together and made it look beautiful so yeah it's looking really good
0: did you feel like it was a lot easier the second time around like um writing an algae book or was it just as it was just as many hurdles like
1: well it was very very different because obviously the first one was very research heavy and all the interviews and Um, which I think, to be honest, I feel more comfortable with because my background is a journalist, so I'm I'm used to doing all that. I'm used to interviewing and researching and and putting all that together. Um, I guess the other big difference was the first time round, I had a book deal. I went through a traditional publisher and did it that way. So they handled everything that wasn't the actual writing of it. This time round, I decided to take it all on board myself and I've published it. So I've had to do everything in terms of, you know, we crowdfunded for it to get the the funds for it and then putting it all together and finding the printers. So it's been a completely different, yeah, completely different.
0: That's amazing. I did see the, the um obviously the crowdfunding. So did you have to? Did you have to raise is it ten thousand pounds? Is that correct?
1: So we raised. What did we raise in the end? And unfortunately, I started the crowdfunding just at the beginning of the pandemic hitting, so it wasn't the best. So, yeah, probably not the best timing. <laughs> it wasn't to, the um, best any, but... timing, really, because it got to a point where it felt a bit awkward to still be asking people for money when they're like might lose my job, stuck in my house. So, um, in the end, I think we had £7,500, which was more than enough to do it um and a lot of that came from people pre-ordering the book and then we've got some great um allergy brands on board as sponsors as well so yeah it all it all worked out (laughs) even if it was a bit stressful at the time
0: (laughs) no that's amazing i think it's it's great to obviously kind of um speak with yourself to kind of find about about like obviously starting a book and like your journey and stuff because i feel like there's not many there's a few allergy books out there and I feel like the more people are doing it. I know like Ruth has done her own allergy book now, which is amazing. And I can't wait to read. So it's great to kind of hear people's like, experiences and like their advice. Um, if we can talk about, obviously, ha- can I ask how old are your kids now? You're and the girl? A
1: seven and um, nearly five. Amalia's five next week.
0: I was going to ask as well, obviously going through like school and then kind of like dealing with the allergies. Was that like another kind of hurdle you kind of had to like overcome in terms of like making sure the school was aware about their allergies and making sure that they've got the epipens on hand?
1: yeah, absolutely. I think it's a huge hurdle for lots of parents. I think with anything it's that it's that change or the you know doing different things that throws up all the you know the anxiety or the worries or you know you get settled into a routine and then suddenly you're like okay now my kid's going to school ah what do i do about that um so yeah definitely i think it's a it's a really big one um our school have been mainly really good um and you know the advice I always give to parents is you know talk to them early and it everything needs to go beyond just the you know how to treat an allergic reaction obviously that's important and that everyone needs to be trained in using adrenaline injectors But it's more, you know, how are they going to handle lunches? What about craft activities or baking or all that kind of stuff? And also, um, you know, allergy education within that school. So the other kids get it, which I think is a huge thing, especially as more and more kids are getting allergies, you know, getting food allergies. It's something that they are going to come across.
0: I think it's so important, like you've kind of spoke about online in the book as well, is that they are their own self-advocate. And I think that is like so important that they do kind of like speak about their allergies definitely when they get into like the the teenage years. How are you dealing that with, with, with your two young kids at the minute and making sure that they do kind of speak about their allergy?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And you're right, it's so important because I think as a parent, you want to wrap them in cotton wool and protect them from everything. But actually, that's not the best thing for them ultimately um so we from a young age always just spoken about food allergies um in a very open way answered lots of questions got them involved in things so i think you can start when they're really young and it's just about things like saying so when the kids had their milk allergies and they would have alternative milk so james had soya milk you get used to saying oh here's here's your milk but when they're going off to preschool and your milk means cow's milk you have to think about the language you're using and be saying, you know, I have soya milk, you know, so, so it's just little things like that about them understanding the differences. Um, and also things like, you know, in some ways I feel lucky that, you know, my children have had reactions and we've had to use adrenaline injectors early because it takes away some of that fear and, um, you know, this big scary thing, you know, yes, it's scary, but they've seen it, they've experienced it, they know how it works. Um, and so Amalia, she did a um, an epipen demo to her nursery teachers, and she was three about how to use it. You know, so it's just making it normal and making it part of that conversation.
0: I think that is so important. I was reading a book um, this week, and it was talking about um, two different families, and one family was very with the, with the children, like getting them to like speak up. So, for example, this kid was going to the doctors, so he's in the back of the car, and the parents like, oh, make sure to ask the doctors like any questions when you're there. So the kid feel like he's in charge or he gets seen like he's not a kid, he's an adult. And I think that's so important. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I think it's so important. Um, I think my parents very much did it as well. I like always um, give me the confidence to speak up about the allergy um, with an adult. So when it, when, it, when it kind of comes to them situations, like they don't feel nervous or they don't feel embarrassed to kind of speak about the allergy because you've really like normalised it. So you think that's been very much... yeah.
1: A couple of things we do. So if we're with the kids and someone asks, you know, what are their allergies, we get the, we say, okay, what are they? So we get the kids to talk to them rather than us kind of talking about them over their heads. We'll say, you know, you tell them what they are. So they're used to saying it. And then I think another thing is we we have quite, we have, you know, rules that we follow all the time. So everything's quite simple and easy to understand things like you, you know, you don't share other people's food, or we have a rule that you, you can't eat anything unless we can read the ingredients. So even if it's something they love, like popcorn or Haribo that we know is, you know, most likely safe, if someone's carrying it in a plastic bag or a little plastic tub, and, you know, we can't actually see where it came from and what the ingredients are. So I think just, Rules that are consistent and easy to follow for the kids helps a lot, you know, like obviously taking your medication everywhere. And if you don't, you can't, you know, you can't eat anything or we have to go back and get it. Um, So I think that helps with kids as well. So that it's, you know, they, they like a bit of structure and they like to understand kind of what those boundaries and the parameters are. So it helps them feel safer and it helps them communicate a bit more simply. Well, I can't do this or, you know, this is how we do things.
0: And I think, like, I can imagine, obviously, when they're going to get up to, like, the teenage years, it's, like, making sure, like, they are, obviously, say, like you said, aware and, like, educated about it, but as well, like, making them, like, they're not defined by the allergy as well, so they can still eat out, because I know there's a lot of teenagers which kind of reach out to me and they feel too nervous to eat out with the allergy and stuff, and...
1: I think obviously being a teenager is a scary time for parents and it's handing over that control. And I can't say I have any experience of that, but you're right. We do, we eat out, we travel, um, you know, we do all the things that we would do if they didn't have food allergies. We obviously have to take more precautions and do things in a different way. But, you know, the kids have their own, um, allergy chef cards that we take to restaurants so they can hand it over to a waiter or the manager and say, you know, these are my allergies. um, so, yeah, we, we make sure that, you know, they understand how to go out into the world and do things, even if we have to do it slightly differently.
0: Yeah, I've always said it's a bit like Russian roulette, really. It's just like you're always trying to like reduce the risks of having these allergic reactions. And there's always going to be, uh, I mean, someone reached out the other day, actually, and um, I'm probably going to do a video about this later today. But she was talking about um, I went to McDonald's. And she messaged me saying, well, there's a cross-contamination risk if you eat at McDonald's, but there's a there's a risk at 99% of the restaurants you go to of cross-contamination. There's no nuts or peanuts in the fertility or in the restaurant. So you, there's always going to be a risk of cross-contamination anyway. It's just how you kind of deal with that and making sure that they do go with the gut feeling.
1: I think the general population can probably understand it a bit more at the moment because I think everyone's feeling it at the moment, starting to go out into the world with coronavirus, there's those people that just want to stay at home and not go anywhere. There's people that feel they maybe taking too much risk. And it's all a balance, you know, of taking those precautions as much as possible. Um, but also trying to, you know, carry on with life.
0: Yeah, because you still want to like, live a normal life. It's just like, yeah, like you said, like, taking these precautions. And I always said, like, going, oh, you got food and it's, like such a big thing. I did want to d- discuss, obviously, um, Marty's Universe. Um, so obviously you're very much one of the ambassadors um, for the brand and um, um, can you tell us a bit about how that kind of, how how that started, how did you get involved with the brand?
1: Yeah, so they're, they're quite an exciting brand that have got hopefully a lot of good things coming up. So they approached me before the book came out last year to say that they were doing this and it's part of Danone, so the company Danone, they have this kind of incubator program within Danone where um, staff can go and say like we've got this idea for a new a new product or a new brand, and then they pitch it and they can get some funding to kind of go out and test it in the world and see see how it goes down. So, um, the lady that started Marty's, her daughter had had food allergies when she was little, and she really felt that there needed to be a kind of kid focused um food brand. So yeah, so I did a lot of work with them last year and it's gone down really well in terms of you know i guess for everyone who doesn't know there's marty who's an alien and he goes off around the universe finding allergy friendly foods
0: i think this is amazing i was gonna say i think that's amazing that they've they've got this brand character and obviously i work in design and and I, I read a lot about brands and how to like tell a brand story like um and i think it's amazing that they've got this character which the kids can kind of resonate with as well i think when when you've got a brand which doesn't have a A face or a character it's very hard for someone to kind of engage or um with that brand or resonate with it
1: i think it's lovely and it's really fun and their whole kind of philosophy was it shouldn't be something that's just for children with allergies it's stuff that all kids can be like oh we love marty and you know they can have it at birthday parties or whatever and that there were a few issues last year because of their production lines with them still having being produced in factories that weren't, you know, top 14 free. So everything's paused a bit at the moment. Because it did so well, they have graduated, basically, into the, you know, the full Danone brand. But now they're taking a step back to get the production process right. Because this is something I said in the beginning is so important. I said you can't go on and be a trusted allergy brand if you're still producing in factories that have to have may contain statements you can't do that so they've really taken that on board which has been great so now they've found new production facilities and that's something they're working on this year before they bring out any new products so hopefully i mean we might have all slowed down now because of coronavirus but by the end of the year or early next year they'll bring out new products that are that are made in a free from factories. so that's going to be amazing
0: but that's amazing as well obviously having that kind of transparency with the customer Um, And I think it's amazing that they're actually are working with more kind of allergy advocates now um, because I think we have such a kind of unique audience um, where we, we, we can help people with, with obviously with the severe allergies and obviously share our experiences. So I think it's great that, um, to kind of work with brands to kind of get that message out there
1: yeah no they've been really good and they've really listened which was always important to me you know they, they're paying attention and trying to really understand what it means to people with allergies so yeah so I'm excited to see kind of where, where it goes with them
0: I was going to ask as well um obviously being a, an allergy parent what would your best piece of advice would be to maybe other parents who've got an allergy um and they're a bit, maybe a bit worried about the kid growing up with an allergy what would your piece of advice be
1: say well two things the first one I would say when when you're first looking for that diagnosis and you know it's usually with a baby or a toddler and you're not sure you know trust your instinct know that you know your baby best and unfortunately often you do have to push for those answers but go prepared read my book go to allergy UK or anaphylaxis campaign you know arm yourself with the right information so that you can have those conversations and get what you need and then I think as you go further through I would say it it does get easier um there's still challenges along the way and there's things that you, you know you don't predict happening or you don't see um but you can carry on with life you know and do all the things you want to once you kind of figure out how to do that and do all the things you know we've, we've talked about
0: yeah no I think that's like so important um do you feel as well? Like you, you feel more confident now that there is more kind of like young algae advocates out there for when your obviously kids become teenagers and they kind of take on that responsibility yourself. Do you feel like you're in like um, perhaps like safer hands now that they've got different people they can like look up to?
1: I hope so. Yeah, I think it's really important that um you know to be able to see people like yourself doing things in any any sphere because it gives you that confidence and that. That inspiration, you know when Ruth came around yesterday and got her her jex pens out, and the kids are like, "Oh, you've got the same as us, so you know I think that's really lovely for them, and I think you know you and you know the other guys that are kind of younger and and doing that thing, I think it's really good because it's going to get up to a point where the kids don't really want to listen to me as much because you know you know what it's like as a teenager as you get older you think oh mum she's so overprotective you know and there's that risk-taking element so I think to be able to have people that are doing their thing who are younger who they can relate to I think is really important
0: yeah I hope so and I mean like I said it's so it's so amazing to kind of see all these like amazing advocates kind of um talking about it now. Um so what's next um on your journey? Um obviously you've got the book um coming out soon like um what's your kind of like next steps um of what you kind of want to achieve or what you want to get out of the blog and everything.
1: So yeah, so the next thing is definitely the book which will should be out by the end of the month. Um and it will go out to everyone that's pre-ordered it, but then people will be able to buy it then. So that's the that's the next thing. I've also got a website um that's going to go alongside that. So I don't know if you saw, I launched a new Instagram account last week, the You, Me and Food Allergies.
0: I did see that, yeah. Do you want want to share that on the um, podcast now so we don't forget at the end?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I will. So, um, yeah, so You, Me and Food Allergies, which is the name of the book, has now got its own Instagram account, which is going to you know, just deal with with those subjects around kids and allergies and all that side of stuff. Um, And then I've built a website that's going to go alongside that as well, which has got extra activities and downloads. You can download some of the pages from the book for kids to colour in, or you can also download some posters that you can use in schools or community places. And so that's going to have a lot more um, resources on there for kids, for parents, but also for nurseries and preschools and schools as well so that they can kind of understand and take control of stuff so yeah I guess that's partly the next project and then just to make life even more crazy um I just started a master's a couple of months ago um in the psychology and neuroscience of mental health um because you know through my own personal experience and also with the allergies I know how difficult it can be anxiety wise and mental health wise and it's something I've got more and more interested in looking at and yeah, want to expand more on
0: that side as well. I think that's amazing. I think mental health is such a side of things which wasn't really, definitely when I was growing up with an allergy, wasn't very kind of spoke about online and stuff. I, me- I remember the first ever Instagram post where I spoke about anxiety, and the in- like the amount of people that kind of like reached out to me about. Oh my God, I like, I feel like exactly the same way. It actually, like really took me back because I thought it was just me. Um, so I do I do feel like mental health side of things is, is such an important topic for people to kind of to talk about because I know that allergies just affect people in lots of different ways um, for kind of each individual really on, on that basis. But yeah, I think that'd be great to kind of hear your experience when you're doing your masters and of what you've learned really, that'd be really insightful.
1: Yeah, no, as you say, I think it's so important for people to talk about it because I think people feel embarrassed or worried that people will look at them in the wrong way or like they should be coping better. You know, but we all all go through it and, you know, allergies are big and they are scary and it can cause a lot of, you know, anxiety and mental health issues. So I think the more people that talk about it and open up about how it affects them or how they deal with it is so important, especially, you know, I think people will often look at you or me or people that are out there doing this and be like, Oh, you know they've totally got got it together and they totally know what they're doing so I think it's really important to say well actually no not all the time sometimes it's really hard or you know sometimes it makes me feel a certain way and I think I think that's really good
0: yeah I like, absolutely I couldn't agree anymore I've had times where I've had like full-on like anxiety attacks and then I like, you know what I mean it's it's if someone when I'm in scan they're like oh yeah it's fine like he's dead confident. Um, but, yeah, there's two different sides to every story, aren't there? You always show one side of the story, but I think it's good to kind of show the other side as well of how you feel. And um, it's something I definitely want to kind of talk more about on a making time. But I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great to have you on to kind of share your stories um, and obviously about your book and like your new book coming out. There's like so much going on. Um, if people want to find you um, online, watch your Instagram handle and your blog.
1: So, um... My Instagram handle, my main one, is emma.amascote, um, where I cover all sorts of stuff. And then the one for the new children's book is You, Me, and Food Allergies. Um, so my main blog is Free From Farmhouse, and then the new book has got its own website, which is you, youmeandfoodallergies.com. But you'll be able to find both books, the Living With Allergies book and the new children's book on Amazon as well if people want to go and, and buy them there.
0: That's amazing. So, yeah, guys, make sure to um, check out Emma's new book. Um, it'll be on her Instagram and online. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you do get a chance, I always bang on about this, but if you do get a chance to write me a review, honestly, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Cheers, then. Bye.